0: Today on The Masked Man Show, we're going to talk about the tragic death of John Huber, a.k.a. Brodie Lee. We're going to talk about Snoop Dogg. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the reuniting Bullet Club. Uh, we're going to talk about Goldberg, about Drew McIntyre. We're going to talk about Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. And we might even talk about Wrestle Kingdom too. Who knows? Listen in. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com.
1: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race. A young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. Enter the Kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. What's going on, Jabronis? It's pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. First battle season one champion, Mike Long. The king of sad stuff. Silver Lake
2: Heartthrob. It's Trey Kirby. It's Mick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss,
1: Sasha Banks.
2: Hey,
3: this is WWE superstar Braun Strowman.
1: My name's Kevin Owens. I have that Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goof Haraja. So I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. to this. You're listening to. the Mask
2: Man Show. The Mask Man Show. The Mask Man The Mask show. Show. Man Show. Okay. The, mask Man, the
0: mask Man Show.
2: Welcome to the Mask Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, Kaz? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh happy new year, Dave. And happy belated too. Happy yeah, birthday. Yeah,
0: man. I turned 17 years old this week. Nice. Um, you don't,
2: you don't look a day over 12.
0: Almost, <laughs> almost eligible for the army and R-rated movies. Uh awesome. thank you very much. And, and happy new year to you too. We Appreciate didn't record you. over the holiday. Uh of course, the big thing that we missed was the tragic death of uh John Huber, also known as Brody Lee, also known as Luke Harper. We're gonna talk about everything and pro wrestling, uh, but right off the top. Uh, I wrote a piece about it for the ringer.com and I've written about a lot of wrestling, a lot of guys who passed. I've edited a lot of guy, a lot of pieces at the ringer by Oliver Bateman and others, uh, when when people die. And, you know, there were a couple of times when I was writing my book, people used to always ask me what was the hardest one for me to write. And the hardest there were, there were two answers. One was when I wrote the chapter in my book about Benoit and Guerrero, I put it off and put it off and put it off because I knew I'd be destroyed by it. And I was, Mm-hmm. Um, I think for obvious reasons. But the other one that you know was kind of surprising was Chris Canyon, and and the real reason for that one was because he was the first dead wrestler that I ever wrote about after right after he had died. The first like real time obituary I'd ever written, and it was just devastating. Now we've dealt with a lot of them since then, but I don't ever remember feeling the way I don't. I've never felt the way I felt when I heard that Brody Lee died, and I think the big reason was. Uh, It was the first time a wrestler died where it wasn't about him being an icon or being a little god in my mind or being a guy that I just, one of my favorites or whatever. It was the first time I saw myself in a wrestler who died. And maybe you have a different perspective, maybe a similar one, because you you know work backstage and you know a lot of these dudes. But um, when people started, when the word got out and other wrestlers started chiming in, the their love for him was almost the, mar- the most heartbreaking part right and the stories about yeah. how much he loved his family loved his kids the humanity of him yeah. is what made this the most devastating maybe the most devastating death in, in you know all my pro wrestling experience
2: yeah um you know we were off uh for the past a uh, couple of weeks cuz the holidays but you know we have a little group chat on the show and uh, our producer, Babyface producer, John, uh, hit us up and was like, you know, should we do a, do a show? And I didn't even respond, I just wasn't up to it. And, um, you know, there's a funny thing about pro wrestling deaths um, that are always kind of hard because when you're watching it as a fan, to almost like a comic book death, but these are real people, you know what I'm saying? Um, and for a long time, again, you, you grew up with, you know, some of your favorites, like, you know, Chris Benoit was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. And obviously the way he passed has definitely tainted the way I look at him, obviously. But as a fan of of his work, I was always a huge fan of his. Eddie Guerrero as well. Um, Owen Hart, lots of folks. And there's always like a a weird, it's always... You can always take a little bit of solace. I'm not even gonna. I don't even want to say solace, but for for the for the for the lack of being able to find the right word right now, you always take a little bit of. There's there's a little bit. It makes it a little bit of an easier pill to swallow when um, it's a drug overdose or a murder or an accident or. You know, death is never acceptable. It's never fun. It's never a good thing to talk about, but it's always a little bit easier to accept when it's something that has happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why this was a little tough for me to talk about is because, um, you know, now this is the first time a wrestler passed away that I really liked, I'm a big fan of, that I know personally, and a lot of my friends knew personally. Um, so it was very close to home. It was extremely close to home. Um, I didn't want to talk about it because there was, um, I'll tell you personally, I'll tell you many stories. Obviously I had my time over in WWE and, um, you know, when I was there, I think Luke, Brody was, um, you know, he wasn't on TV as much, but he was always backstage. He was always hanging out, was always ready to work whenever it was needed to work, but he always came on the road and that's pretty customary with a lot of guys that are healthy scratches, I'd like to call them, right? Like they're healthy, they're mm-hmm. ready to go, but there's really, you know, they're still trying to figure out what to do. So he was just always around and um, all the stories, you know, you'll see it in a million Instagram captions and everybody who was talking about them. Um, all the stories you hear about him being a wonderful person and a family man was absolutely true because he was always talking about his kids He's always talking about his wife. He was always around his kids and wife, and um, personally, you know, we've obviously chummy guy. Always hung out. Always talked hoops. We always talked about you know the, the Knicks and and just fun sports stuff. Um, but personally, he's really good friends with my my good friend and you know Russell Rap p- p- uh, podcast producer and founder uh, host. Emilio Sparks, Uh, he produces a bunch of stuff for, you know, Renee's podcast and and Corey Graves and and Carmelo's podcast and the Good Brothers and all that type of stuff. Shortly after I left WWE, um, a lot of people know this about me. I lost my daughter Um, who was born um, and passed away, I guess, like an hour after she was born. And, um, you know, everybody who knew me knew how excited I was to finally become a father. Um, and how crushed I was when, uh, you know, the tragedy took place and a lot of people reached out to me and I wasn't really ready to talk to anyone because I was almost regretting that I told people, but I feel like, you know, you, you do these type of shows and, you know, people see all these things about you and like, you kind of feel like, and it's probably not the best way to think about it, but you kind of feel like you owe people an explanation about what happened. So... Even though I I was open to tell, talking to people, um, I really wasn't open to listening because I was just crushed. One person who reached out to me was Brody. Me and Brody talked for hours about just family. Um, and you know, he'll tell you about this. I think Dax Har- Cash from uh, the the FTR and AEW also mentioned this. Uh a couple of other wrestlers mentioned this about um the trouble that, you know, John and 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 his wife, Amanda, had, you know, you know, having a child as well. Um, And he was the first person to really talk me through the mentality of what I was going through that really connected to me. And, you know, we knew each other backstage. Like, we would talk, we'd we'd shoot the shit and be chummy. But, you know, I wouldn't call us best friends. But, you know, he was somebody who was really nice to me. And we were really just, you know, great, great, um, you know, chat buddies back then. And I'll never forget the words that Brody talked to me, and I won't share them personally. Um, but he made me feel warm. Like you you knew that this dude was a a special person as far as like emotionally, just on a human level. He just felt like, man, he didn't have to reach out to me. Like he didn't have to spend literally hours talking to a writer that he used to work with that, you know, we barely worked on anything. I think it was sort of around the end of the Bludgeon Brothers run when I was over there. Um, So we might've worked on a handful of things together where, you know, the tag team division on SmackDown when it was like New Day versus Bludgeon Brothers. So we didn't work a ton, but the fact that he reached out and, you know, wants to make sure I was okay and not just okay, but let him know that he was here for me. and you know the personal experience that he's had in a similar situation I had, was something that always you know brought us closer. So we would talk more and more here and there, and um, you know life gets in the way, and you know he you know makes a surprise return at WWE for a little bit. We, we chat about that. We talk about sports. We chat about that. He debuts in the AEW. We chat about that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's so it's so much more of a tragedy and so much more disappointing to talk about because he was a guy whose success was so deserved, right? Like, he went to AEW, became a top dude, main event guy, the guy that we always thought he could be. Anybody who loves wrestling or knows wrestling or has followed his career on the Independence or everywhere else, always thought he can get to that level. And... um. To see it taken away so suddenly and tragically, not even just on a professional level, but me knowing him on a personal level and how much he, he cares about his family and his children and how much his, his, his kids and um, the rest of his family, it's, it's, it's still hard to talk about. It's still very hard to talk about. I'm sure you could tell by my voice. Um, but I always, I always love the guy. I always appreciate everything he's done for me personally everything he's said to me when i needed it while i was at the deep end the deepest end the, the most depressed part of my life the, the most depressed moment of my life um he was there he, he he gave me a hand he pulled me out of the of the raft when i was like really felt like i was sinking you know um and i always love him for that and i always love his family for that so on the Personal level on the wrestling level, it's sad all around, it's tragic all around. It's still hard to talk about, but I mean, you know, we didn't get to talk about it last week, but I mean, AEW put on just the classiest wrestling show I've ever seen. Not even just on a tribute-wise, but just a, a a wrestling show that made me like really proud of pro wrestling in general and just being like, that's class. That's what you do. Like that is, you know, at the end of the day, we're all a community, man. Like I always tell people, like, don't let divisions and, you know, where people wrestle or what shows you like, you know, take away from the fact that this pro wrestling community is a community. And when we're all hurt, when somebody's hurting, we're all hurting. And um, just, you know, I've I've heard so much stories in the past days about his last days and how AEW really took care of him, really took care of his family, Tony Khan and Cody and you know that whole roster was really stepped up for Amanda and um, it's a beautiful thing to hear and 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 the, what they're going to continue to do for his family. Um, but yeah, it is. It was really hard to talk about. There was so many. There's so many personal things with. You know a lot of my good friends that are on the roster of WWE, the AEW, that you know spoke about his final days. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we're getting to talk about it now. I'm glad we're getting to eulogize him. I'm glad everybody's starting to see what a real, genuine, awesome human being he was. Like as big of a gary looking dude that he is, which he is. He's I'm a big dude. I'm a big. I'm a big guy, and he's much more bigger than me. <laughs> and he's got a heart. He had a heart. Uh, Twenty times bigger than that. So rest in peace, John slash Brody Lee Luke Harper. We'll never forget you. Thank you for everything you've done, and um, you know, we'll always look out after your family, uh, no matter what.
0: I mean, there's nothing I can add to that. Uh, but you know, just in general, it's a cliche that if you want to know how somebody lived their life, look at the way that the people around them talk about them. You know, but it's, mm-hmm. I mean when it's true in moments like this, you realize how true it is. Right. Um, and like, I've never seen a wrestler.
2: It, it, It gave me, it gave me Eddie Guerrero vibes. Like, you know, I wasn't, I was probably like in my teens when Eddie passed away. And just as far as like the reaction of how, how beloved he was, as far as like how people revered him, as far as the person he was um and what he's been through and what he's come back from uh it's heartbreaking it's still it's it's, it's, it's I'm still heartbroken over yeah. it yeah
0: i mean it was people were passing around highlights you know favorite matches there was a lot of really cool stuff of his pre-WWE career that i hadn't even seen that i got to watch and you really appreciate him for that you know and and for me the the I mentioned I could see myself in him. When you see his, his early indie work, and you can just tell that he's just a fan, that he comes from the same stock that you do, that I do, and he just he ended up in the ring, and thank God he did. He was brilliant in there. Even with all those clips, they were so, like videos of him wrestling were so incredibly outnumbered, just totally overwhelmed by people writing how much he meant to them, by people that he knew, and that's it's really stunning, really stunning. And um, just a couple of words about the AEW show. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, You know, I think Meltzer at the time said that it was the best wrestling show in some period all year or something like that. And, uh, you know, I think that the, I hesitate to even put it in the same bucket as any other wrestling show. Yeah. You know, tribute yeah. shows are sort of their own thing, and I think they come with their own difficulties and whatever else. I mean, it's hard to overstate the degree of difficulty for pulling the show off in a short amount of time and and sort of pleasing, you know, sort of hitting every note that you needed to hit. Um but it is that that said, it is really rare that you see a wrestling show it's almost impossible to imagine a wrestling show in which the entire thing is just one beautiful coherent work of art and this one had a mission so it provided the fr- you know it provided that that coherence in a certain way but it was just it was beautiful it was yeah. a beautiful show
2: it and, made me um, proud to be a wrestling fan yeah for sure it made me it brought me to tears it um it it moved me <laughs> There was great wrestling. Also, the fact that these guys even like got themselves even mentally together to even yeah. still put on like great wrestling matches. They gave us great moments. I mean, shout out to MJF with that <laughs> wonderful Kane shot that he took from Brody Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that those kids smiled. The the fact that his, his that Brody Jr. Yeah. was smiling just days after losing his dad was all the star rating and all the proof that you needed that you know when done right when done right professional wrestling is is really a really beautiful thing and um it's uh incredible what it what an incredible few weeks it's been since then man
0: yeah that's it uh john huber Brody lee luke harper rest in peace brother i mean it's it, there's you won't be forgotten. And to to just move on, I don't even know what the conversation we're going to be having about John Huber a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, but I guarantee we'll be talking about him. Yeah. And And I sort of feel I don't even know exactly how to say this. I think it's going to be impossible to retell the history of AEW without mentioning this, right? I mean, I think that it's early in the company and it's not like he was it really affected storylines or whatever, but this feels like a big moment for the
2: company. But it did. It did. It, it didn't did. No, no, storylines, did. but it did. It, it's like now like the dark order is like a sentimental fave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously. Um, God, just on a on a pro wrestling level, what a match to go on, to go off of. Like his last oh, match, that 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 bull rope match for the TNT title. You know what I'm saying like Brody just wrestling the best the best matches of his life up into that point you yeah. know what i mean and 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 the the story being told with Cody Rhodes and it's it's still really hard to believe and and i I want to touch on how this was a moment for a e w that let me know they're gonna be around for a very long time, like yeah, the fact that you know. Tony Khan took, you know, the Huber family from wherever hospital they were in Jacksonville to the Mayo Clinic, gave them, you know, top of the line, like treated them like they were the starting quarterback for the Jaguars. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Gave them every single opportunity as far as um, keeping him around and and saving his life and how how much he's been there every step of the way for ever since uh, John got sick um, and him being in the middle of that ring and being so sincere and genuine and and, and for that family and being there for that family. And the fact that all the talent believe in this dude so much as much as he believes in them, this was a hard show to pull off. Wrestling in general, pro wrestling shows in general are hard to pull off every single week. It's even harder to pull off when you get thrown curveballs like WWE and, you know, their shows seem to be thrown at least once a month. But when something like this happens and you know what your fan base, and not even your fan base, just what pro wrestling uh, fans want and being able to pull it off so, so gracefully at a level where it wasn't just a critical success. It was a commercial success. I think it was their highest rated show ever, obviously. Um it really let me know that AEW is it's already stamped itself in professional wrestling history. Like it's not gonna be one of those shows that kinda flame out. You know, they've they've got really good people back there and um they got really good energy about them. I got to give them all the props in the world man. Like they've they've really they've really stepped up their stuff and they don't look like a second rate company at all. They look like a first rate company. Um they are a first rate company. I can't even compare it. Just from the fact that like the people that are there believe in it so much. I don't think they would allow the place to fail. You know, like I I think it gives me I think people that at that company and speak, people I've spoken to at that company believe in AEW the way like ECW originals believe in ECW. Like they're willing to do anything, anything mm-hmm. to make sure that this place is successful. And they didn't have half the resources, probably a quarter of the resources ECW had. You know what I mean? Or, or AEW had. You know. Um, but yeah, it was a big test, and they they passed it with flying colors, man. They passed the flying colors.
0: When they started talking about, you know, reimagining the TNT title and Brody's memory, all this kind of stuff that they're doing, it felt like they're sort of establishing their own mythology, right? I mean, they're establishing their own history, which is the big thing that a company like that lacks when it's compared to WWE. I mean, WWE has absorbed, like, all of pro wrestling history, and AEW, you know, has the opportunity to start, I mean, to compete at the highest level. Like I said, I think we'll be talking about this for a long time.
1: Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
0: Maybe the most uh, important thing that's happened on AEW TV this week was uh, Snoop Dogg hitting a splash <laughs> off the top. <laughs>
3: I'm
0: watching it right now. I don't know if we'll be talking about Snoop Dogg when we try to tell AEW's history, although. You know, it had it had a a whiff of of uh you know Lex Luger showing up on the first episode of Nitro. This is a WWE Hall of Famer coming out here on t on 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 the on the rival company's show uh, for New Year's Bash and and uh, and hitting a splash uh, off the and actually you know, getting involved.
2: It's more than a more than a Hall of Famer. I mean, this guy just did a collaboration with with the Undertaker. You know what I mean? Oh, For yeah. his, his big going away. He's the uncle of the biggest star in your company, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sasha Banks. Um, I could see why they could be a little tight. I could see why uh, you know, WWE could be a little ruffled, but yeah, it establishes a little bit more uh AEW story, you know, a little bit more AEW ethos, um, which is extremely important when it comes to uh Competing with the big dogs. Why am I watching you and not watching them? You know what I mean? Like, if if I'm watching... If I'm watching uh, AEW right after TNT, NBA on TNT, and a bunch of casual fans are saying, what is this WWE knockoff? That's not the greatest, you know, that's not the greatest feedback. You got to start wa- doing stuff that separates you from everybody else. And stooping that, Frog splash slash elbow drop. (laughs) I don't know what that was. I mean, his right leg was trembling. And I'm like, oh, my God, Snoop's going to, oh, my God, Snoop's ACL is going to go. His ACL is going to go. Like, he's going to hit that floor. I mean, I don't know if you've been inside a wrestling ring before, Dave. I'm sure you have.
0: only like once or twice, I think, yeah.
2: Deceptively large leap from the top rope. Like people oh, think, yeah. oh yeah, I'll go up the top rope. Like, like once you're up there, <laughs> you're like, okay, this is pretty, this is pretty far. Everything like,
0: is- at once you get in the ring, every single thing is like operating in a war zone. I mean, it's like, 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 tra- like, <laughs> the, I, like, you, like, lean against. You're like, oh, maybe I'll just run the ropes, and like the placement of your feet, one in front of the other, suddenly seems impossible. Like, right. It is so difficult, and the t- and the ropes. Yeah, man. I mean, it's scary up there.
2: It is. It is. It is. It is very scary. But I mean, shout out to Snoop, man. Like the best part about that was like, I don't think I've watched Snoop Dogg for almost my entire 33 year existence. I've never seen him have that much fun or smile. (laughs) You can tell he's wanted to do that his whole life. You can tell. That, like, you know, they've been asking for WWE, like, yo, let me do something. Let me get physical. And they're like, uh, oh, no, we going to do it.
0: I just want to point out for the record uh, that Snoop Dogg is a WWE Hall of Famer. He was inducted in 2016 alongside Sting, who was also in AEW. Wow. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a tradition. And if it is, look out for, like, the Godfather and Jacqueline to show up on in the <laughs> AEW. In any given moment, Stan Hansen. I'm looking at. The, oh, the, I'm, I'm guessing the Freebirds probably won't make it, since Michael P.S.A.s is a, uh, you know, one of the last standing, and and he's uh backstage. Mm-hmm,
3: um, mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it, it it's a that was a that was a an ominous year, I guess, for the WWE Hall of Fame. Although it would be cool if like WWE could if, if they start trying to write that into the Hall of Fame deals, like you're never allowed to appear <laughs> in another another company's
2: program. It's so weird. That's just that's just weird WWE stuff. Okay, like I, I, I listen, everybody knows I've always got love for the WWE, but I got to keep a spade to spade when things are just weird. Just acting like and pretending that other companies or promotions don't exist is such the the strangest thing, the most self self-harming thing you could do for WWE. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. You're giving more publicity to the competition, right? But you're growing pro wrestling in general. Why mm-hmm. not Why not acknowledge the competition? Why not acknowledge what's going on on the other side of the fence? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it just always felt silly to me. If the WWE isn't stupid, he's a Hall of Famer. If he wants to go and and rap Sasha Banks to the ring at WrestleMania, they're not gonna say no, okay? (laughs) Like, this is Snoop at the end of the day. He's one of the most recognized, he's probably the most famous rapper, not the best rapper, not the biggest rapper. When you talk about rappers and fame, I don't think anyone's more famous than Snoop Dogg. They're not going to say no to him if he wants to go and do some WWE stuff. It's nah, just, you know, absolutely not. They'll get over it. <laughs>
0: well, listen, that wasn't the only thing that happened on AW this week. The show ended with um, Kenny Omega, uh, mm. the Good Brothers, and the Bucks all throwing up the Two Sweet mm. in the ring at the same time together. Um, I mean, to me, I mean, th- this could be a, just. This portends just huge things, right? I mean, the I thought Jericho and the guys on the on the in the booth were a little bit over the top about <laughs> not saying Bullet Club when they've yeah. been very very liberal about saying, you know, the the about acknowledging things outside of AEW over and over again. They kept calling mm-hmm. it the, getting the getting the band back together or whatever. And um, I don't know what that means. I kind of felt like it was a little bit of misdirection. But regardless. This is cool, and this is—you don't want to talk about WWE too much when it. I mean, you don't want to say anything negative about WWE when it comes to John Huber, Brody Lee, or anything. I mean, certainly, it's just not the time or place. But we're, but it is sort of like the all three things that we're that we've talked about about AEW on Brody Lee. I mean, just his career prior to his death, and and Snoop Dogg. As funny Mm -hmm. as that may be, and now. The club, the Bullet Club,
2: the club <laughs>
0: are all things that are all, are all kind of WWE do overs, right? I mean, like, like AEW has a chance to to do what WWE could have done and do it the right way, and 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 um, it's I don't know, it's sort of exhilarating.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken, i I think what does New Japan owned the Bullet Club trademark, right? Like is that is that what's helped keeping the lights on over at New Japan? Like the fact that they own the Bullet Club, you know, logo or Oh yeah, yeah. Or, they have all or, the
0: rights or, to that. Yeah. I mean, they still the Bullet Club's still going strong over there.
2: Right. So I could see Jericho and, and Shivani and everybody kind of being a little bit over the top with like not mentioning it, but trying to emphasize the fact, like, okay, this is not the original Bullet Club, but this is the Bullet Club that kind of helped take it to the next level, right? Like, there mm-hmm. was, like, the Finn Balor era, Finn Balor, the Prince David era, yeah. which, which kind of helped kick it off with, uh, you know, um, uh, Fale and, and and everyone else. Um, there was the AJ Styles era, which, mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty quick but pretty impactful because AJ kind of, like, took himself to the next level of being, like, a hot commodity, yep. which eventually led to him being WWE. And then there's the Kenny Omega era where, with the cleaner and, you know, where he became to many folks who cover this thing and, and has covered it longer for, for a long much longer time than I have. Kenny Omega becoming the best wrestler on the planet. Um, that being said.
0: Well, and there's also, and also just to, I mean, just to add on. Yeah. I think for a lot of people who were aware of the Bullet Club, you might've been wearing the shirts of the Bullet Club. I mean, I saw Bullet Club. I saw. Carl Anderson in a Bullet Club shirt at a Ring of Honor at one of their first like, crossover shows. Before I was really deep into paying attention to what was going on in New Japan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for I, I was just gonna say, for a lot of people, the Kenny Omega era a, of Bullet Club was when people really started paying attention. I felt like that's when like you could not uh, open your computer without seeing a clip of New Japan about, of, of the Bullet Club. You know, I mean, there, that was a th- th- that iteration. I think has a lot has the most resonance of anything any other one.
2: Yeah, I think that's that to me personally, that was the time I was mostly into New Japan when, you know, the Young Bucks was in ring of honor and New Japan and, and jumping around. And Kenny Omega was having these classics with Okada and uh, Tanahashi, um, you know, the uh, gosh, the Good Brothers, you know, what I mean, Machine Gun, Carl Anderson, uh, Big LG. Uh, it's it's. It's really exciting because I feel like AEW has the opportunity to do it in a better way than the way WWE did it, right? Um, They're openly acknowledging that this has been a long, drawn-out plan. I feel like if the world was different, if a pandemic wasn't ravaging our country and travel was free and easy, I feel like this could have been an even bigger deal. I mean, mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom was this week. Yeah, they named their program New Year's Smash. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a not so, <laughs> a not so uh, subtle, uh, reference to New Year's Dash, which is the day after Wrestle Kingdom. Um, there could have been so much synergy right there, man. Like, obviously, I've always said AEW's biggest, um, biggest opportunity at success is doing what WWE is not usually willing to do and that's collaborating with other yeah other promotions um they've already kind of started it with Impact uh there was talks of ROH talks of other promotions but there's always been that strong connection to New Japan and I know New Japan was trying to have like their US division their like American division and and tour the country here before uh you know things got kind of crazy with this pandemic. But I'm I'm very interested, man. Like there's it's it's I'm excited, but I've also seen how it can be done when it's not done all the way right, also. <laughs> so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Um but I am looking forward to seeing more heel young bucks. I am looking oh, yeah. forward to seeing like you know Moxley being that guy that kind of takes them on and you know there is already seeds sowed uh of new japan you know being somehow implemented to this yeah. right like this guy's uh the former IWGP US champ and is still very much involved in the new japan storylines and he was just here world champ so i'm waiting to see how this draws out i think it's going to be really cool
0: i agree uh i mean you mentioned wrestle kingdom um we can't spend a lot of time on it, but uh, the current I, I couldn't leader, stay up
2: that long. I I'll just, I'll just watch. I just watch well, the gifs. The,
0: <laughs> the current leader of the Bullet Club, Jay White, who for my money might be the best wrestler in the world. I mean, he's just freaking amazing. He's operating at such a high level right now. Um, he lost in a championship match to new champ Kota Ibushi, who is everyone knows has an incredibly long and storied history with Kenny Omega that match was like an hour long it was a freaking banger man I mean go out of your way to watch that if you haven't um but there's a well also I should say Jay White said he was quitting New Japan after that match almost certainly a work but I mean I can imagine that that you know Tony Khan and Triple H were both on the phone trying to get a hold of him to see if it was true immediately thereafter there but there's a lot of possibilities here and the fact that Ibushi won, I mean, I, listen, I haven't heard anybody talk about this. I don't know New Japan's, like, booking. I don't, I don't, you know, I can't, like, read tea leaves there a lot. But the fact that they put him on top, I don't know. It just, it seemed like, a. I mean, it was long, there's a lot of long-term play involved, but it did feel a little bit like they were, th- this is like, they were just waiting for some moment to prime the pump for something, and that this could have been the signal that whatever storyline they want to put in place with AEW is in the offing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just imagining too much, but it's no, going to be I really. Think, exciting. I don't think
2: you're imagining, man. I think that is their ace in the hole. I think AEW's ace in the hole has always been the friendly relationship with New Japan and being able to send talent back and forth. Um, the fact that you know they let Moxley kind of rock out, or Moxley rocked out for them for a long time. They mention each other's promotions. The Kenny Omega Kota Ibushi story is one that's been. You know, kind of leading to this moment, you know, like I don't know if it's going to be soon, but if I'm a booker at AEW, if I'm a guy who's helping tell the stories, I know WWE is just about to get into their bag. All right. Whatever you think about WWE, whatever you think about their, their, the way they do business or the way they put storylines together, nobody can, nobody can argue that from January to like May, they run shit, okay? The road to WrestleMania is, forget everything else that's happening in the, in the world of wrestling. This is the only stuff that's important. Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania, Raw Aftermania, the draft, they own it. You know what I mean? If I'm a booker at AEW, I'm doing everything I can to take away from that. Or, not even take away, to to lift the tide with all ships, right? When WWE is in WrestleMania mode, pro wrestling is in the mainstream. WrestleMania season gets into the mainstream more than they are throughout the entire year.
0: Yeah. And now is the time to pull the trigger.
2: Now is the time to pull that trigger on New Japan and AEW, Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, John Moxley versus the Bullet Club. Uh, all There's so many things that you can play with where... If this is a regular life and we're all going, and hopefully it is, you know, who knows? Maybe by March, April, the vaccine is out, numbers go down, and you can have crowds or whatever. The the mega shows that we're used to seeing on WrestleMania weekend um, become even more mega. I'm not sure if AEW wants to put their their biggest show. I, I don't know what AEW's WrestleMania would be. I think it would be uh, Double or Nothing, I guess. Uh, I think that would be their WrestleMania. I
0: mean, Cody was really, str- I, th- I think, up front. Uh, about not wanting to compete with WrestleMania, he said right. like that belongs to WWE. And as far as running shows, at least in that town and whatever town they're going to have it in at the same time, you got to imagine with the degree to which Tony Khan and others have exuberantly retweeted ratings news over the past year, you got to imagine that like that dynamite beating Raw in the heart of the road to WrestleMania is something that they would. It, received very warmly over there at AEW. Yeah. very excited about. So, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to predict. And I know the WWE's the ratings are going to tick up, you know, steadily. Probably, you know, in the new year. I mean, from now until WrestleMania. But, man, if they ran a really... If AEW ran a really effective New Japan, you know, invasion, Bullet Club comes to America angle, I mean... It's not crazy to think that that could be like the raw after WrestleMania. That could be the huge, the biggest thing in wrestling in a while, as far as ratings go. You know, and 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 I think that it'll be really interesting to see them go after it. But who knows? Who knows?
2: Yeah, if you're if you're AEW, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest, the biggest non WWE story you could tell is Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi on a nationally telev- national television. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they pull it off. I don't know what needs to be done, but that seems like something that benefits all parties. You know what I mean? Like that seems like something that severely benefits New Japan, but absolutely benefits AEW, especially yeah, for sure. Sorry. Especially with, you know, Kota being the world at the heavyweight and intercontinental champion. That's just a visual I can't wait to see. That's a match I can't wait to see. That is a company in America that could properly pull off the sort of New Japan sixty minute craziness that we are, we have. Yep. That made Kenny Omega that dude. That made him that you know that the most sought after free agent. And you know when he was you know uh uh, uh looking around and and trying to become a you know another a bigger star. That is the biggest move they could pull. That is the biggest story, non WWE wrestling story that they can pull off. And that is something that really. Makes the stateside pro wrestling, I don't want to say wars because we're not doing wars and wrestling is a community and we all love wrestling together. I think that is something that makes AW far more interesting than they already are.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, WWE, for their part, is going to keep trying to put together, uh, you know, a, a amazing wrestlemania rumors this week leaked out and who knows i mean who and knows? then Every- there's
2: goldberg yeah
0: <laughs> well, okay so we so i guess it's when, when aw pulls out snoop Dogg. wwe has their own legends edition of raw uh candace michelle who i was most excited to see was not actually there after they promoted her but um goldberg was he was they did not promote him he made a surprise appearance at the end of the show uh after um Drew McIntyre retained the title in a good match, really good Monday Night Raw match against Keith Lee, um, the unofficial uh, avatar of this program, and um, and so we By the, I mean you see a lot of this. Uh, this is an aside. There, there are sign. There are little hints. I know I'm always trying to find ways to be overly excited about WWE, but it's it feels like. I don't know. There was some feeling to the, the 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 story before they got to Goldberg. I felt like they're really like they're really getting something in this episode of Raw. The fact that they gave us this sort of short term Keith Lee angle that actually culminated in a big match on Raw that felt like a big match, and it sort of it succeeds in establishing Keith Lee without you know pushing him to the moon prematurely or whatever. I mean, you 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 might not think it's premature, but whatever. Um, I don't know. Just that the way that they told this little story with Keith Lee and Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, it felt like a sort of new thing. And that's a lot for me. And then the thing with Charlotte Flair and her dad. Yeah. Felt like an interesting use of Charlotte Flair compared to the way we've been seeing her of late. There's a lot of these little things that have got that that, that that were getting me excited. And then I mean, I'm not gonna just shit on it, but I was not you expecting can shit on it. <laughs> I was not expecting to see Goldberg come out and basically challenge. Okay, so here, let, let me put it this way. Okay. When I talk about the cool this little story they told in the championship title scene, it felt new. When I talk about the way they're using Charlotte, it feels new. It feels like they're actually like engaging with the characters and and like it feels like it's almost evolving in real time. This real, real storytelling. Goldberg comes out after the championship match and cuts a promo on Drew McIntyre that it felt like they wrote the promo. They wrote the promo f- when, like, when when they thought Randy Orton was going to be champion, and they forgot to revise the promo.
2: <laughs> I was like, "Wait, Drew McIntyre literally does nothing but respect the OGs and the legends and gives them props all he the time." He cut a promo
0: with Hulk Hogan earlier in the night. I mean, at least have Goldberg get mad about that,
2: you know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you, I'm like, what do you talk? I'm like Goldberg. What, what? Randy Orton's that way. Like, that's not that's not who you're trying. <laughs> It's but like fight. it was
0: such a control V promo, it was just like oh, I'll just have him go out there and say something, you know, whatever. It's like no one cared at all. It was oh. like seeing them in the ring together was supposed to get us excited. Now the the, the story goes that the the rumor and please, who, if this this will probably happen because it's just one of those obvious things, but uh, who knows? If, if take this with a huge grain of salt. But the rumor is that it's going to be Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg at the Royal Rumble. Drew's going to win. It's a one off match, not a long feud. Drew's going to win, and they think that'll propel drew to the stratosphere of superstars and then somehow they're going to do drew versus roman reigns at wrestlemania um
2: which i'm not so, mad
0: at i'm not mad at either if it's title versus title then go for it and if they if they do some silly booking thing to take the title off one of them um you know whatever whichever whichever way they do it i think there's a way to make this really cool uh although you get to this weird moment where it's like when you actually have to start calling the finish, now this should not affect your booking decisions. I think you should put your best match out there for your fans every night. But if the point is pushing Drew to the moon, um I th- you know that kind of means him going over Roman reigns. and then what do you is Vince going to say that he's going to green like that? Who knows? But anyway,
2: I want to jump back to what you mentioned about Keith Lee. I know Keith Lee is our favorite wrestler on the planet, and I don't want every I don't want anyone to give up on Keith. I feel like what they did do is, even in defeat, they really established Keith Lee as a guy. And what got my hopes up so much was that vision of Keith Lee walking out and all the legends acknowledging him. Mm -hmm. In in the words of the the Tribal Chief, all the legends of WWE kind of looking at him in acknowledgement. And... Basking in his glory, like as he walked in, like as he walked out to that ring for the WWE title match and you see Booker T, Hulk Hogan, Teddy Long, Tori, all these guys, which is a pretty Mark Henry was a pretty cool moment. Like if that's how you're going to use your legends, that's 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 a pretty dope way of doing it. Um even in defeat, which we all kind of had a feeling like Keith Lee wasn't going to, you know, win the world title that night. I'm always worried about how you position certain people and how they're going to look afterwards. How they're going to look after, you know, uh, losing his title. Are they going to yeah. just get thrown back into the middle card bushes or are they are going to be still around? And what made me have a lot of hope for Keith Lee is the fact that Goldberg just kind of came in rinsed whatever the hell was going on with Keith Lee and just jumped right in, right? Because we all know, no matter what we think about Goldberg, no matter what we think about these old-timers coming in for these shots, they're not here for long, right? They kind of come in, they come out, and then they're gone. If I'm WWE, I keep Keith Lee real close to that moment. Like, I don't think it was done on, I don't think it was done up by accident that they kind of just swept Keith Lee away with Goldberg coming in, right I don't think it's by accident that you know all the legends sort of acknowledged him at the top of the top of the stage as he was walking in, yeah, like all that positioning is going to mean something on the road to Wrestlemania because they have a lot of stock in Keith Lee. They have a lot of belief in him once he get he's a guy who can take your new world of heavyweights that they have. These big, strong dudes who can move and are fast and aren't just big and prodding and all this type of stuff. He is so important to that roster to making a guy like Drew McIntyre. not saying, you know, Drew McIntyre can't go, but Drew McIntyre looks a hell of a lot better doing his fast, intense uh, athletic offense. Roman Reigns looks a hell of a lot better doing his fast, intense, athletic offense when there's a guy just as big as him Mm-hmm. Doing it. When he's doing it with AJ Styles and Seth Rollins and 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 Kevin Owens, you know what I mean? And Kevin Owens isn't that small of a dude, but it just doesn't hit the same. So there's a whole lot of stock in the Keith Lee. I would just say I would keep my eyes on him. I don't think he's out of the world title picture yet. I know the 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 tea leaves are saying Drew versus Roman for the world title. If I was a betting man, I'd put my chips on Keith Lee as the winner of the Royal Rumble.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a, it's a really, really compelling thought. I'm, we're about to put our fantasy booking hats on. I mean, it's, it's that time of year. I mean, I don't mean we we got to do it right now, but, well, what the hell? Keith Lee's my guy. I mean, I, I want to say, I, like, I, I thought he should have been the WrestleMania main event last year. I mean, it, it, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, that's fine if they want to, If I mean, if, if as long as he stays close, this is, he's just, he's so ready-made. He's just ready-made. And frankly, all these wrestlers wrestle longer and longer but i mean it's keith lee is it's time you know he doesn't have another decade probably of operating at the high level that he's doing right now so let's just i mean he could be such keith lee could be keith lee could be a history lesson if wwe plays it right
3: you know Mm -hmm. and it's
0: and 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 they just need to they just need to do it now that's not to say they shouldn't be doing what they're doing with drew mcintyre i think that All things considered, it's sort of admirable that they stuck with them and that they've actually I mean, the big picture, they're they're trying to create Hulk Hogan. You know, they're trying to create another megastar and they're sticking with the plan and they're trying to do this stuff. And there's obviously with this fantasy booked Goldberg feud, like they're they're committed to the project Um, over on SmackDown. um, You know, they let. Roman Reigns be a heel and be a real real heel and Mm -hmm. and take over that whole brand whether it was the plan or not they're turning Kevin Owens back into a super duper star just by letting him share screen time with Roman Reigns and that's not that that's not to belittle Kevin Owens I'm just saying I'm surprised that WWE is just this in on this feud for so long right uh speaking of which we got to talk we mean we've been talking like crazy but New Year's Eve was this week um, Kyle O'Reilly lost in a valiant attempt at trying to claim the NXT title uh, from Finn Balor. And that match was just freaking incredible. A lot of cool stuff on that show. But one of those things was Karrion Cross beating um, uh, our dude Damian Priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a rumor. Apparently, he was supposed to show up on SmackDown this week. Yeah. Did you see this rumor? They, they had I, him booked to show rumor. up as Kevin Owens' friend. And Kevin Owens... Um, decided to be to, to top edit the project and was just like, yo, but Damian Priest and I aren't actually friends. No, no, <laughs>
2: no offense to
0: the guy. I, that's
2: never stopped yeah, no never offense, stopped WWE before. No offense
0: to the guy, but this company is littered with people who are actual friends of Kevin Owens <laughs> that every wrestling fan knows. They hang out and they have a history and whatever else. And Damian Priest, I mean it listen, I appreciate KO's commitment to to narrative coherence.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people have it. <laughs> if they were really doing that, they should have just called Leon Ruff and had Leon Ruff come through and be his his heater and help him out. I'm I such know. a big Leon Ruff fan, but they are.
0: I mean, I, ho- I hope Damian Priest still gets a good look. I'm, I'm not. I mean, but it's a it's a. Uh, I mean, that's it's just funny. It's like it, what, <laughs> like I, I can't yeah, get enough. of Apparently,
2: it. him and Roman Reigns is like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Let's scratch that, and instead, <laughs> it just tossed him off of the stage <laughs> into the man tables, which. Yeah. You know, but um, New Year's Evil was dope. Got to watch that. I want to talk Kyler Riley and Finn. It feels like those guys. I, I I actually read. Uh, I don't know if I think you re- rewrote this. This Kyle like the the Kyler chain wrestling. Story. Oh, that was J.J. That was...
0: McGee. I edited the piece. I mean, J.J., He's a, he's incredible. He's got a, a Twitter account. It's at Mythgifts.
2: Nice. Um, oh, Mythgifts. Okay, okay, okay. I yeah, like yeah. That yeah. So right. I
0: I hunted him down after he did it. He did like a like a a 40 tweet breakdown of Sammy move moveset and why, and how he stopped doing all these moves as he turned into a heel. And I was like, mm-hmm. can we please just turn this into an article in the ringer? And so he's going to hopefully keep doing stuff like this for us. He's, he breaks down pro wrestling in a way that I I just love to, I love to read and love to be involved with, but yeah, he broke down sort of the chain wrestling, how Kyle O'Reilly is uh, just such a, just no one chain wrestles like him. And also it just could have tied that to his, to his face turn. but go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's no way. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of his tweet, his tweet storms. And he sees wrestling in a way that I don't even think the people writing the show have seen. <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't make that connection. But if you did, moy, um, muy, muy, muy caliente. Um, Kyle O'Reilly is slowly becoming my favorite wrestler. Just because he wrestles like a guy, if... <laughs> I hate to I hate to put it like this. I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna because I can't word it correctly. I'm just gonna say it. I feel like if pro wrestling was actual fighting, Kyle O'Reilly makes it look like actual fighting. Like he makes it look as real and as authentic and as dummy proof as possible. And Finn Balor. By
0: the way, without doing without doing the sort of like strong style stuff, and he does a little of that in him, but yes. without without doing he like has just act- enough
2: though, just yeah, enough to he, not he, make but, it look like. But he's well, not
0: doing the thing where he like legitimately headbutts people and concusses them both. You know, he's not he's not like actively like hurting people for the sake of getting the look. He just right. but he he understands wrestling and MMA enough to make everything sort of like believable on a level that is not real common.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a brilliant in-the-ring storyteller, just absolute brilliant in-the-ring storyteller. And so is Finn Balor, man. And if you read what he said when he first got to W, first got back to NXT, he said Raw and SmackDown are the big $100 million Avengers movie blockbusters, but NXT is Broadway. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's when you go and show what the real actors are about, the real art, the real craft. and you can kind of tell this is what Finn's been wanting to do. This is the best use of Finn um, that there possibly is. Like, he is a guy who is the, the legitimizer. He can legitimize anybody on the NXT roster because of his past, because he's sort of like, he says a lot in his promos about like, I don't follow the business, the business follows me. There's a lot of truth to that because he's kind of this one tying bind through what's happening in Impact, what's happening on AEW, what's mm-hmm. happening on New Japan, what's happening on Raw, and what's happening on SmackDown. He's the one dude who has literally, who hasn't just touched <laughs> all parts of those, but he's been an extremely important part of every single one of those things. And he's the guy at NXT. And I love that he hasn't talked much. He just kind of went out there and, and, and kicked ass and took names. And he just looks so much more violent and intense and like the way he shows respect to Kyle O'Reilly without necessarily being like you know uh, chicken shit heels like they're both sort of baby faces but like the look that Riley and Balor shot to each other towards the end of that match where in most wrestling matches after a brutal match like that they get up they shake hands they hug it out great match appreciate it And then they all go their separate ways. Oh, man, wrestling, you love to see that, yada, 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 by the commentators. But they both just shot each other a a look of, like, just real, real intensity that kind of makes me think that story still isn't done being told. I still believe at the end of this run, Kyle O'Reilly mm-hmm. or Pete Dunn. I think I still think Pete Dunn's waiting in the weeds somewhere. But I still believe Kyle O'Reilly is gonna find the NXT title around his waist. And I think that eventually is gonna start the give me what I've been wanting for years now which is an Adam Cole, Kyle Riley blood feud for the NXT title <laughs> eventually. Uh, but what a match, man. I just That's just, that's just my kind of wrestling, man. Give me two smallish dudes that are ripped that are going to hit the hell out of each other, that are going to be fast, that are going to jump off of shit, that's going to chain wrestle, that's going to make people tap out. I love that it was a tap out. You know what I mean? Like, there was no doubt left on there except for the fact that this dude's jaw was unhinged. Uh, it's, it is... Mm. That is my type of wrestling. I love me some I love me some flippy shit. I could watch yeah. flippy shit all day long. But give me two smallish dudes that are ripped that I could just beat the holy <laughs> piss out of each other for well, a half hour. The problem I'm with happy. the
0: blood feud the problem with the blood feud idea is that they got there by accident in the first match. They're like we had like a broken jaw and two bloody <laughs> mouths and like it, it's hard to imagine it, raise, it going to a level above that. I totally agree. I think this is the perfect use to Finn and I think Finn still has a place in the main roster. I mean I I think that they were, were made the right move to shotgun him as soon as he came onto the main roster. And I think he's a, I think that he is a has a potential to be a real player. I mean, and mm-hmm. and I think he can be. I do think that it's interesting that like Finn, and maybe this makes it this probably makes him perfect for the main roster to be honest. But like, you know, when he got signed, he was sort of represented a new a new generation of Flippy guys for WWE. Mm-hmm. And since then, they've signed like there there have been like like evolution has gone at such a high rate there's been like five generations of flippy guys to come after he was signed right I mean they're like people are flipping at a much higher level than than Finn was mm-hmm. or th- than Finn is now but mm-hmm. he gets but he's still when he he's he is a superstar front man world champion he has everything you need but he but like all the greats it matters it's still he feeds off the other person in the ring Yeah, and uh, and I love him being the, the, this being like the gritty, like you said, the Broadway version of, of, of WWE. I love that he's doing this right now, and and he, if he spent the rest of his career doing this, I would be fulfilled. But I still think there's, you know, a bigger look for both these guys, and, and yeah. everybody knows. I love Kyle O'Reilly. I've loved Kyle O'Reilly since, well, from I mean, forever. I got to be honest, I was not so in on him, and Adam Cole, and Future Shock. Uh, I thought that was a little bit silly, but as soon as he was out of that, I mean, I just love Kyle O'Reilly, and I mm-hmm. and. I'm glad that he's come this far and I'm glad that he's going to get this opportunity. And I think that he could be, cause he's got that realness. Like he could, he could make a lot of noise in the main roster too. Uh, but I don't know that he even needs to. He's just, he's amazing. I'm so excited. He's getting this chance. Um, we got to get out of here. We've been talking for a long time. Is there, before we get out of here, uh, I do want to discuss sports illustrated's rest top, top 10 of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna pull
2: up the list that you, you put in the group chat right here. Yeah, it's
0: it, it was uh <clears throat> we could probably spend we should spend next week if nothing exciting happens. Whenever we get a chance, we'll just talk about this in depth. But they put Sasha Banks at number one, which I don't wanna, don't think there's a lot of room to argue with. No. Nope. Um, John Moxley number two, McIntyre three, Naito is four, Kenny Omega is five. You know, it's when you when you take the whole year into perspective, it's. It, you understand, you know, Kenny Omega's at five, Bailey's at six. You could make a case for Bailey to be higher than that. When you take the whole year into consideration, Io Shirai at seven, Abushi's at eight, Roman Reigns, nine. And wow. Eddie Kingston at number 10. We didn't talk about this up top, but, it is amazing that Eddie Kingston was basically signed off the street. But Eddie Kingston basically <laughs> cut a Twitter promo and got himself into the ring with Cody Rhodes parlayed that into a full-time job at AEW. And then as we saw after uh, both in his on-air tribute and the video tribute and and then the later the backstage video that they released after the after the Brody Lee tribute show, mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston maybe the most important employee of AEW and it has nothing to do with what he does in the ring, but he's, but he's like the Kevin Owens of AEW in the sense that like you give the man a microphone and he's in the main event, you know, like it doesn't like you don't need any convincing with him. He talks, he's the best talker in the business. And when you see the way he was talking backstage to the, after the tribute show, you know, I know he's gotten a look from WWE before. I don't know. I mean, you can tell me, I just feel like the the ability to have a guy who can just give that impromptu speech backstage is more valuable than having 30 future Hall of Famers. Yeah. I mean it's just such a big deal and and he's he's proven his worth on camera and in the ring this year no doubt. But um that guy deserves to be on the list for a lot of different reasons.
2: I agree. I think we could we could definitely wrap up and talk about this at the next episode but Man, where's Randy Orton on this list? <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, he's had a like, crazy
0: good year, he's man. Had
2: a, he's had he's probably had the best year of his career. But I'm sure we could. Let's
0: not let's not forget that he started off WrestleMania last year. He had the greatest wrestling match of all kind, and that's official <laughs> because that's what the title of the match was. So this we know is that. True. That, uh, that that if you're not in the, on the in the running after that, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to even imagine who I would. Uh, who's the first person on the list and we'll, we will we'll pause pause put a pin in this talk about it next time mm-hmm. the first name on the list where you would say all right I'll take exception to that like play devil's advocate and knock who's the first person you knock down i don't think I might take exception to John Moxley. I might be able to argue some of these guys up above John Moxley.
2: No, I feel um, like, yeah, I, I think Moxley had a year. Moxley, well, he- Yeah, you're he, right. He, he just he, had you know, a year. He had, a, he he had, had the a most year.
0: important year in the, yeah, no, that's no doubt about it.
2: I think, I think Naito, man. I think Naito yeah. was injured for a long time. I think, uh, you know, I don't think New Japan really, I think you throw, <laughs> this is a secret that a lot of wrestling writers do that they don't like to mention. They throw New Japan names on these type of lists high up just to kind of solidify it and really, like, give it some legitimacy. But if you really break it down and you really see what these guys have done, I think New Japan kind of had, like, a weird sort of down year. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't as... They weren't as, uh, you know, uh, as everywhere as they seemed to be in years past. So I, I don't have a problem knocking that down and, you know, shooting Randy Orton on there. It's it's It's... It's nuts to not have Randy Orton on this list. He is a guy who is an all-time great, who probably had the best year of his career storyline-wise, character-wise, match quality-wise. Um yeah, you got to you got to throw the Viper on here somewhere.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. All right, we'll get into this in depth next time. Uh thank you for doing this man. It's been a long time, but I can't wait to get back into the swing of things. It's uh it's pro wrestling season. Um Do you wanna get in some plugs before we say goodbye?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, Say less with Kaz low-key podcast. Check it out every Monday wherever you stream your podcast and on YouTube.com slash Kazim. Check me on MSGAM. We are moving to prime time. We made it to the big time, so we'll be following Knicks games if you're in the New York area or on MSG Networks. uh, Check out the first one podcast with DJ Khaled on Amazon Music every Thursday. Um, And uh, I think that's it. The Mass Man Show. Damn it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. I can't believe I said that about John Moxley. So, more than ever, apologies <laughs> to John Moxley. Uh, we'll talk more about this next week, humanoids.
3: Tony Schiavone here on The Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Mass Man Show.